Good morning, Mayberry. Due to aggressive request, I started this podcast now. I'm not ready. I want a different intro song. I want spoof ads. I want an editor. I want a budget to pay a little production staff. But I have shit to say right now, and I can't keep ignoring the loving spiritual warriors who've asked me to just start like we were all born with nothing but my body and the basics. So here we go. We aren't going to talk about the rebranding and conflation of slavery, fallout, general racism, and class war. We aren't going to talk about PETA activists de-anthropomorphizing black people to make their points right now. We don't have time. We're going to talk about whatever I edit in next. Because I'm the producer, I'm the host, and I made this music. I'm Shift Orion, and I'm not waiting on Superman. Um, I just want to talk about something that's kind of striking me. I'm prepping to post the first episode. Yeah, yeah, Trump has COVID. And I'm listening to it, giving it one last listen through so I can whip up a description real quick. There's a conversation happening about the, uh, the ways that people are willing to accept what's presented to them. And just kind of go with that as though it's the way instead of trying to influence it and write the story ourselves, right? Like really make a determination over what's acceptable and carve that into the narrative, right? Um, And I'm just thinking about how it's so strange to have witnessed the 2020 presidential campaign show and really kind of be looking at, I wouldn't call it a show. I didn't call it, you know, I mean, like I would, I would call, I would refer to it as that in, in segments. There's, there's many ways in which it certainly is a show. But the, the thing that's striking me in, in this moment, the thing that's really fucking me up is that it's the audience that made it a show. It was the choice to be an audience participant as opposed to a genuine participant in this life, right? On something so critical for all of us. And there's so many ways to be a genuine participant is the thing. But when you're going to be an audience participant, it means you sit there and you wait for the host to tell you what the rules are, and then you just go and follow the rules that way. So for me, it's like, you know, let's picture American Idol, right? You're supposed to watch them all sing, and you're supposed to vote on your little app, and put in a little code. You can do it from home. You can do it in here, you, you know. And then in theory, it's all supposed to be like legit, like one vote per person or whatever. But like realistically, if you got a house phone and a cell phone and it's just you and your house and you're real passionate about American Idol, you could call from your house phone and your cell phone. And definitely during the first years, they weren't checking into that kind of thing. Maybe later. I don't know. You know, like I don't, it's just like, you know, they take it serious. It's a lot of money in that. Those are people's real lives, too. They're actual singers trying to be something and chose to go that track with their shit. They they mean it when they're that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's real stuff. And for the people that are doing it, it's like, for, I, I, I would not be surprised if there's a bunch of people that dig American Idol and are wildly passionate about it who don't really give a shit about voting for, like, political reasons at all. Um, like, at all. And there's a demographic of that. Uh, and we know this because we can see it in the pie charts when they get all into the non-voters. It's so crazy. Just a little, little like, little side trail. Um, 
like how evangelical voter mentality people are was I'm not knocking the importance of it. I'm knocking your methodology where you talk about it like you see the people who don't vote as, you know, like potential converts, like people that you're going to go proselytize to and not only get them to convert, but get them to convert for your agenda, hopefully, right? Like that's the goal, ideally. And so for me, it backfires for me because it's usually Democrats coming to me with my brown ass. They try, hey, black child, black tiny person that looks hella younger than you really are. Let me talk down to you and explain to you why I know what's happening and you don't. And then from there, we just end up missing each other for the rest of the conversations, <laughs> all of them, for like to the end of time at that point, unless they can establish that they recognize the autonomy and like experience that I have in my wholeness, you know what I'm saying? And approach me from, from that angle um, enough ways and times to mend the damage they did by being irreverent and disrespectful to my humanity, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, that's where tokenization comes in, right? Just to be, just to put a pin in the thing, like just pin the thing I said, and the tag on the pin, tokenization. Stop it. Um, do not. Uh, and, and and it's a trip because you don't know when you're doing it. You feel like you're real passionate about something, and you're just you've got a target in mind. And and I'm telling you, I understand this because I literally was trained as a child to write like lists, you know, and like we would come up with like. Is like when you had somebody that you thought needed Jesus, if Jesus told you this person needs me in their heart, they are wayward and need you to be the one to bring my gospel to them, for God's sake. You come up with a strategy around that person's personhood. That's evangelism requires friendship. There's a, a friendship. There's a whole bunch of practices around the ways that they employ that. And so like... You know, and it doesn't have to be a genuine friendship and it doesn't have to be a thorough friendship. It can be any type of friendship that gets you their ear, right? Like the assertion that things are friendly is enough. Like just a fleeting, friendly relationship with neighborly people that you brush against in your life. So that's just what it is. And now I want to get back into this, uh, this, this determination that this had to be a show we all watched that was written by people beyond us. And just participating in the vote. So this American Idol concept, everybody in there, they're real serious about why they're there. They're all getting paid a lot of money if they're working there. They all spent a lot of energy to be there if they're witnessing, right? Like that's not going to be an audience member at a filmed episode is a whole day of your life at the very least. Like some of these things have like, You've got to get queued up before the night before, or you got to set up your ticket. Some of them are are you know just first come first serve with no reservations. I don't know how American Idol went. My knowledge is based on going to the Prices Right when I was eighteen. You're welcome. Here's a story. Um, I'm not going to do the whole story, and actually, I'll do another episode just about it because there was a really intense experience that happened with this um, this other audience participant who, uh, gosh, man, I, um, huh, thinking about her, like my heart just started hurting. My heart hurts all the time right now. Like I constantly have palpitations and little twitches and weird things going on, uh, on this November 8th, uh, 2020. Um, it's been going on like that for a little while, but 
the the sadness that I have when I think about this person's face and the story around all of the day and the, the people I was with and how they talked about her and how I felt about her. And it was just such a conflict of a moment all day, like all day, because we were all waiting to go in. This is the story I will tell. We were all waiting all day long. We had to get up and get in line. I think we had to be in line at 10 in the morning for a filming that was happening like afternoon, you know, like one, maybe two or something like that. And um, I could be mistaken, but we were, we were outside for hours and hours and hours and hours. And we went twice. We went two days in a row. It was a, it was a gas. We made friends. These people from Georgia, I remember that. They were super cute. And we had, like, we went on, we went out and had, like, a day with them. Like, we, we went places. I don't remember what we did. There's, my memory of this period in time is very odd. Uh, it's really um, uh, decrepit. <laughs> like, I'm looking at it, and it looks like a derelict building. Like, I'm like, oh, don't go in there. The floorboards are going to fall out if you get in the wrong angle on it. Like, don't. I wouldn't even go on the first floor because there's a basement and shit. Like, don't go in there. Um, but we're going to go in there a little bit. Uh, just a little bit. Because uh, it really was a whole day of an experience. And the rules that we had to follow, we were trained. They had people that came outside and they would give us instructions. And you needed to be paying attention because they would give you instructions that were like things you needed to kind of follow outside. And then things that you needed to be aware of inside. And they would eliminate you. It wasn't just, you know, it's like a... It's a service like anything else. It's a private business. And so if you were not what they wanted in the building, they wouldn't let you in the building at all. And if you weren't, you know, part of it was when they would interact with you and they would give these instructions. And I imagine they probably had um, like icebreaker activities, like kind of, you know, like large group sort of vibe stuff going on because they needed to get a read on personalities because they pick who comes up as contestants, right? And so, you know, there's, there's a whole process around this shit and it, they're, they're, they're training the audience and they're also reading the audience for distinct purposes. And when I, when I spoke at the beginning of this story, I mentioned this is the price is right. So there's like an old game show, you know what I'm saying? This is not like a new game show with like new technology and like the same people developing the games. So, and it's a, it's a game, like a board game or like a card game, like any fucking game, you know what I'm saying? It's developed, right? And so there's parts of it that are locked in, like a process, and there's scripted elements to it, right? And we know there's scripted elements to the politics too, like people expect like speeches to be written in advance, um, or at least have a concept in advance, and that's part of why they, they think that they hate Trump, the people that hate Trump, they're like, he just... Is freestyling and freeballing everywhere. Just balls all out of his fucking mouth. Like, just all over the TV all the time. I'm sick of looking at balls all the time. I want to go to sleep. Give me something. Give me a sleep so I can be a sheep again. God damn it. Um, let me be a sheep again so I can count myself while I sleep. God damn it. Uh, fuck. One. 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 It's all about me. It's all about me and my family suburbia suburbia y'all fuck me up so <laughs> fuck uh so the the elements that are, are organic are also there too and this is another example of kayfabe 
uh, the pro wrestling art form of performance, um, of, of, uh, uh, theatrics, I'll say, because there's performance a few ways over with wrestling. The athleticism is its own type of performance. The theatrics of it are their own type of performance. The cinematics of it are their own type of performance. There's a lot going on with pro wrestling. And that's not even, like, I'm, I'll, at some point, I really am going to get, like, into researching what I'm thinking about. You know, like, I've got stuff that I'm like, I'm seeing things. And there's some research that I've done a little bit of, but it's, it's just been the one thing I cannot recommend enough. Anyone who's feeling confused about what the fuck with the MAGA rallies, with any of that, like, where did they come from? Where did they, where did those people come from? Right? Go and look up Trump wrestling videos, like peak Trump pro wrestling videos, and just take a gander at the crowd, right? Like, just take a look, right? Just for a second, like 15 to 60 seconds, and then look up MAGA rally videos, and also just look at the crowd, right? That's it. And you could actually go and look at pro wrestling videos for anybody during periods of time where Vince McMahon and Donald Trump are involved in the storyline in pro wrestling and take a gander at the crowd and you'll see what I'm talking about. Look at micro expressions and go like for anyone who does like a I see deep into a motherfucker's soul type of shit. Um, just that part like that. And then even if you don't do that regularly, take a look at just see what's up. Just take a look. Um, and then at me, I would like to know what you think. Uh, if I'm full of shit or if something happened in your mind that you're like, oh, fuck. And if, if you think I'm full of shit, I'd be interested to know why, because I don't have any comment about what I'm saying here. Uh, yeah. And then also I would suggest, uh, with the rallies, um, also take a look at like, you know, if you can find videos of people talking, like audience members talking about wrestling, like talking in the crowd or like being, you know, if they ever, because they do include them, involve them, they'll, the, you know, people get to say things sometimes, like just kind of check that out and then check out the energy of a QAnon person talking about anything at any point in time, like, that's, um, specifically when they're excitable, like real excitable and kind of at like a volume that you're like, is that barking? Can I call that barking? Yeah. Uh, okay. So moving on, I feel like, so with the, with the American Idol concept, let's go back to this, uh, this room, right? So we're in it. Um, we've gone through a whole vetting process. We've gone through a whole training process and we're now in the audience, right? And we have our rules and people get up on stage and they're doing their songs and it's really moving and some people are good and some people are not that great. And, you know, everybody's kind of tittering. Nothing's that serious just yet, but everybody's ready for it to get more serious and get more intense. And like, you could say, well, that's a, that's a game show or like, that's a, you know, that's like some contestant shit. That's not a, it's just a pageant. And I would argue so is the election. And also I will tell you that like, as far as brain chemistry goes, it's the same shit when you're involved in it, right? It's make or break stuff. And for the audience of things like that, it's also, it's a similar vibe where it's like, if you're invested, you're invested. And there's been science done around empathy and conflict uh, and Rick Burgess, who I reference a lot uh, in his podcast, um, Buddha and the Slut. I almost said Buddha and the Saint because I've been listening to it and I see something different in him than he sees in himself at this point. I don't mean to be a motherfucker that's like, I, I think I got your number. 
I think Source gave me a ticket for you, my friend. Um, but yeah, no, I, I almost just misspoke and called his podcast something just uplifting, bro. Uh, hey, King. Fuck. Uh, the, the thing he was talking about was uh, it, it, the episode's called The Death of Empathy, and I think I've listened to it six times in the last two days. I put it on a playlist, and it kept accidentally coming up as I was putting on other stuff. I was, like, kind of moving stuff around and, like, just wasn't really paying attention, but it came on a bunch of times yesterday, and I didn't turn it off ever because I've just been kind of keeping as as much time off devices, like, off, like keeping my interactivity with them off, but I did want access to the content, and that's what's up. So that's a complicated thing to do. I was like, I need a stopwatch for my workout this morning, and the only thing I can use is my phone. And then that means that if a text message comes or if some, you know, other thing happens, then it interrupts my vibe if it's something disruptive. Uh, all right. So he was talking about the, the death of empathy and he was he was referring to this instance in which a study was done where they if people observe a conflict between two parties, they inevitably form a bond with one or the other. They, they tend to do analytics and make judgments and pick a side. And that activates empathy in them for that side, right? And so, I, I mean, like, the elections are just happening while I'm listening to this episode. I didn't have to reach far to be like, I've made a connection here. But there's no reason for any people to be in association with the Democrats right now in America unless they like cops. And so after June, anybody who was doing Black Lives Matter then voted Democrat, I don't get it. Like, I don't see what that, it, like, we should have toppled the tower uh, if if we were actually serious about any of that. So I guess we weren't. So, like, June was a show, and I'm like, was June a show put on to, to wear people out on anti-oppression rhetoric and then insert this narrative that we need to center black women and then insert this black woman that's always been centered and trick people into thinking that she's the black woman that anyone was referring to when we were talking about anything we were talking about. Like, um, you know, so that's just, I just am like looking at that, like, I don't like it. You know, I don't, I don't have any like theories or assertions to add to it. I just saw what I saw. Um, and uh, yeah, in the first episode, I describe, and yeah, yeah, Trump has COVID, I describe, um, like, why, uh, you know, no, like, and how long I've been like, oh, hard no, like, she showed up at all, and I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I had a moment where I, where I was like, oh, interesting, a black woman, let's see what she has to say, and then I brought her up first to my mom before I even had an opportunity to talk to anybody in the radical scene or look anything up about her. I mentioned her to my mom, who is the type of black woman that we meant when we said center black women's experiences and give them a platform and like consult with them and uplift them. She is definitely that type. Um, she doesn't like to be centered, which is a great thing for that type of person. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like we, we're supposed to be looking at the margins and checking out people that, like, don't have a lot of platform and a lot of space in their life to have volume, you know? And, like, this this person that has been inserted there. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I brought it to my mother's attention that I, I was noticing this black woman had entered the presidential race. And she was like, oh, no, her memory is real spotty. Um, and you can tell when she remembers something or doesn't. Like, she's not, she doesn't try to 
Usually, usually, unless she's trying to cover her own ass for something. Um, but she usually doesn't try to make up that she remembers something that she doesn't remember. Uh, and when she does remember things, she's very glad that she has the, she has the capacity to. And so she remembered Harris's name. She remembered Harris uh, from the incident where my brother, chosen family, uh, not not her son, but, but her, her, you know, chosen family. Like he was a, he was a part of our life. He was a part of our family. Our families were a part of each other's, his, his and mine. Um, when he was murdered in San Francisco and Harris was the DA and she was awful about how she handled his family and handled his community. And, um, she's a, she's a terrible person as a lawyer. She, you know, it's like, it was at the time where it was like, you know, pretty common, you know, Hook had come out in, in, you know, some years prior and there's that whole line in it. Wendy and Peter are, are talking and, and Wendy's like, so what is it that you even do again? And Peter explains his job as a lawyer and, and she just goes, Peter, you became a pirate? Like, you know, right. So like it, that, that trope was like a thing. So it wasn't like a far reach to be like, damn, this lawyer's really mean, man. Like this lawyer's so cold and like heartless and like dehumanizing to the victim. And like, why would she call and ask about like the victim's delinquency records and truancy stuff and like behavioral pro? Why would she be calling to ask about his behavioral problems? And then like not looking into anything else, you know, cause he was a really good person really like genuinely good person so it's like if you're doing character checks why are you only asking about the black kids problems and then why are the news articles kind of like trying to slant that like the white people didn't do anything wrong the white adults that did the killing didn't do anything wrong to these strangers that they didn't know these children that did like this doesn't make any sense and for the story to be what it was you need to not understand the dynamics of the individuals involved because I do believe that the group that Frankie Mead, which by the way, I'll say right now, if you don't know who Frankie Mead is and you think Black Lives Matter and you voted for Harris, like you don't actually think Black Lives Matter. You don't know what's going on, right? You don't know what you just asked for. Yeah, like Frankie was a mediator. He was a comedian. He was a sweet person and he had a lot of support and love in his life. And he had friends who did not have a lot of love and support in their lives. And one of them particularly was a little rowdy because of it. He was in foster care and he had a lot of bullshit going on. And I didn't like him, frankly. I didn't like Frankie hanging out with him. I didn't like when he was around. I wasn't mean to him, but it frightened me to have him nearby. And I was a little older than Frankie. I was a little older than all of them. Uh, by a couple of years, two or three, depending on which of them I'm relating to in that dynamic. And uh, yeah, I just kind of vibed that like something could happen with this kid around. He got himself in trouble frequently enough. And and by trouble, it was it was pretty lightweight. Like it wasn't like, you know, none of these kids were from San Francisco. The stabbing happened in San Francisco, but they weren't from San Francisco. They were from the North Bay and they were not you know, they were from Novato. They weren't like living busy and excitable lives, getting involved in like anything. Like there was nothing going on, really. There was mild shit going on, but it was like, it was like LARPing. It was like, you know, 
it was like East Bay LARPing. Like it really wasn't real. Things could escalate, but it wasn't a scene like that, right? Like they weren't a gang. They weren't violent kids. But the angle that would, would have been cast were it super easy to cast would have been that. And that's where they try to push the narrative without any evidence is that, that like they didn't have anything to, to stick to it. So the story's there. But when you look at the articles and kind of think about what I'm saying, that's all I got. That's all. I don't want to influence things too much. I'm trying to give you information without too much additional commentary on my assessments. Like... There's the information, I've got my feelings in it, which I'm considering to be information. I'm a player involved in the situation. And I've also been like, what the fuck for a while. So I'm trying to leave out my conclusive stuff that isn't that conclusive from my what the fucking as much as possible, right? But I've got some stuff in my gut that just is sitting there like, look into this. These kids go down to the city. Let me dial it back, actually. I'm going to just do the whole story now because I've, I've been waiting on people to do interviews with me for long enough. and So we'll do this one. Just y'all and me. So New Year's Eve, 2004. December 31st, 2004. I was not living at my family's house, at my parents' house, but I went over there that night for some reason. And I was in the house for a few minutes. And Frankie showed up. And I hadn't seen him in a while. We did see each other very frequently for years. Basically daily. Like, it's, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of a day or a time. Like, maybe Saturdays we probably didn't see each other. We lived very near to each other, and we spent time together. We went to the same church, and we were involved in a um, an extracurricular activity. We were involved. The cult that I was in had local branches. We had the core cult that traveled around and did tours and started up new little mini versions of the cult. And then we had the local versions of the cult that were struck up when the cult came through. So when the cult first came through our area, we started a local scene, and me and my sister and a few other people from our area did the tours with the core cult, but the static cult always just stayed going. Like if we were off on a tour, they probably would go on hold for six weeks, but they, uh, yeah, they were always like stoked and ready to get back to it when we got back. And he was in the local cult. He never went on any long trips. We did some like mini, mini trips that he was on. But with those, we traveled as a local group to go do those and meet in like a cluster of local groups. It's, it's a weird thing that we did. Uh, it made perfect sense at the time. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so we'd seen each other all the time. Um, and then that wasn't the, that wasn't the core of our relationship, just to be clear. We already were tight and we spent time together playing video games and wrestling and like playing, like we like, we were all theater people at heart. We were all like performers and exhibitionists and we were like story builders. You know, we didn't really know ourselves very well because a lot of our, a lot of our stuff wasn't blossoming yet or like, you know, to some degree was like limited to the expectations of the social scene, uh, you know, the religious social scene. Um, 
And so, yeah, we, we just made stuff up a lot. We, we really did play a lot of video games. We played a ton of Tomb Raider. We played a ton of Crash Bandicoot. We played a ton of Tekken. We played a ton of Need for Speed. Um, we played a ton of uh, Bust, a, Bust a Move or Bust a Groove. Bust a Move. I think it was Bust a Groove. I don't know, whatever, with the bubbles, with the orbs, and you shoot them, and then um, DDR, so, and I was boss at DDR, right, I was like the fat kid, but like boss at DDR, um, like that was, I actually, I had some mobility to me, like I, I felt and looked very heavy and like Torian, like a large Torian vibe, um, for being such a, t I'm short, like I'm small, but I seemed bigger when I was a teenager, like I seemed I seemed taller and, and bigger or like I was going to be and then it just kind of stunted and I think I lost a half inch at some point and uh yeah then I got really narrow like as much I'm a smaller person all the way around um and in much better shape than I was as a teenager like I'm like I'm I have less body pain I had bad knees I had bad ankles and then I had a terrible terrible injury that happened when I was with the cult and that took me out um so and puberty hit me a weird way. That's a whole thing I'm going to unpack in other episodes because I, I hear a lot of I hear a lot of people yip yapping about like you know what's normal and what's expected. And I'm like I had a really abnormal experience with adolescence, puberty, second puberty. Like you know it's like you, you hit your hit your like late teens, early twenties, and there's like another peak, like the spikes and peaks of it where it plateaus. Um, it's been a little different for me. There's things that can, there's things that are congruent with what was laid out as expectation, but then there's things that are completely antithetical to what's to be expected. Um, and then there were things that are of their own. They just don't even fit in anything expected or unexpected. They're just like, why is no one aware this is even possible? I don't ever hear anyone even talking about this happening. Like what is going on exactly? And these are things that I've, I went to an endocrinologist at one point in my adult life and uh, he was mesmerized by me. He was so sweet. He was this like older dude and um, he was working on some kind of a project that I was actually pretty interested in. Uh, like I was like, oh, weird. That actually sounds like you've, you've seen enough weird stuff that you're like, we should be looking at the weird things like they're more normal. Um, but... Yeah, like, there's a lot of things, it's like, you know, when, when people are willing to accept and acknowledge, like, inherently, like, if I've approached a, a situation or a person or whatever, and they're, like, aware already that storylines like my life exist, um, they often have assumptions about what that looks like. They're like, oh, yes, of course, I know all about you. You're a bunch of things I'm not. Like, a bunch of things I haven't experienced, I have not participated in, did not happen to me, I have never felt her thought, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, or I've only felt her thought in liminal windows, phases, where it's supposed to be something that's like, this is a part of, like, life for people stuff. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about it right now besides that, because I'm not going to unpack it too deeply. Yeah, anyway, I, I didn't even mean to start yammering about that, because the point is Frankie. Um, that he was a good kid, like, we were in a lot of sweet moments together, like, we just had cute stuff going on, we were just good, 
good kids mostly like we and we did nice stuff you know like we went to church and we like put the chairs away you know like we like set up for events there was like you know a valentine's day event where all of the parents and couples married couples got to have get church you know catered something or other and like he was definitely there in the room catering with me as teenagers like we we enjoyed um being involved and we enjoyed being like the backbone of other people's celebrations we enjoyed being the source of entertainment and um and comfort you know like the kind of like comfort food media comfort food performance kind of stuff like we liked being funny we liked making people feel warm we could also evoke like you know pain and and sadness and um you know erect calls to action within people um we could uh yeah, we were magicians. We were little performer magicians. So that's just giving some context on Frankie and who he was a little bit, just a little bit, because it's the kind of thing where I just keep thinking, like, the world doesn't even know what we lost, you know? Like, it's the kind of thing where, like, you shouldn't know what we've lost. Like, you don't, you just don't know. Like, um, and I wrote a song about, I, I wrote a song called I'm Sorry Frankie Mead that's up on YouTube and it's up on my Patreon um, yeah, it's, uh, in, in 2017 or 18, I saw this guy walking near, I was driving by where we grew up and this dude was crossing the street. He was jaywalking and he looked just like Frankie would have looked if he hadn't died. Like, you know, kind of like, I don't know really, but it was like, holy shit. Is that Frankie? Like in my head, in my mind. And I think about him a lot. Like I was thinking about him at that time a lot because Harris had just re-entered the scene and I was, I was fucked up about that. And so I saw him and, and my body rubbernecked at him. Like my, I was driving and he was already jaywalked past my car. He was like in front of me crossing the street and he was already like passing where I was about to drive through as I was coming up and could see him and I, he was, so he was like to my left as I was driving past and I rubbernecked to look and in my head, like my body just did this. And in my head, the entire time I was like, what the fuck? Knock it off. What are you doing? You know, like it was just this, like, and my heart started getting all tight. Like I like grabbed my own heart in inside, like some internal hand just like gripped around it started squeezing that motherfucker and like um it started evoking a song started sourcing a song and it did not cut like I said this was like 2017 2018 like early 2018 late 2017 maybe and I couldn't get the song out at all. It was just like fully constipated, just like completely dehydrated, dried. Like I could almost feel it crumbling inside of me, like in spaces that should have some lubrication in some way. I could feel it just crumbling. I want to say like rock, but I really feel like it's like, you know, organic in a more animist sense, but the more I'm trying to separate myself and my body's 
materials and functions from rock, the more I feel like an imposter and like I'm creating a fallacious division. So I'm just going to stop it. Uh, yeah, so this song, it was, it was dried, dead, but not dead like it had died, kind of like it just hadn't had life yet, or like it needed constitution. And so then, a couple years roll by, lots of conflicts, lots of people trying to justify Harris's existence in the public narrative like this, and... She disappeared, all gone, wash your hands of it, we're all done with Harris, we don't have to fuck with that anymore, thank goodness everybody. And then, like an 80s horror movie, slasher fucking villain, they bring her back in an unavoidably obnoxious fashion, violently inserting her into acceptability, demanding that middle America begin rehabbing the character of this person who is renowned for hurting marginalized people. That is her entire career. Her entire career. So... You know, and I've I've referred to Frankie's killers as white supremacists, and that might be, you know, I'm kind of like, sue me. Let's see what the court says, because then the judge is definitely a white supremacist if they agree with you, and then if we escalate an appeal and they say, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm kind of down for that narrative, so let's push it, I guess. Because, um, yeah, you don't get to come from Elk Grove, California, where the neo-Nazi scene has been thriving and alive for like a while, like it's fine there, you know, it's like Anaheim kind of area where they've just been like living their best lives. And so, yeah, they came down to San Francisco and were yelling racial slurs across the street at Frankie's friends and Frankie, all of whom were black, are black. Uh, and Frankie's friend who I mentioned didn't have a whole lot of love and stability in his life as a teenager, as a kid. Um, he walked across the street and got closer to these people. There is no report that he laid hands on it. There's no report of an attack that I, like maybe something has been conjured up now because I've actually struggled to get a hold of the original newspapers. There's somebody, so this is the thing, is people know I'm working on this and trying to get something actually like done. And I've been working on this for years and people have committed to doing things for me. So one of our mutual friends who swears she was his girlfriend, his girlfriend was with him and was stabbed when he was, but she swears that they were dating when he died. Um, and she, oh, she's gonna be mad hearing that. If she hear it or if anybody tells her that I said that, but he was dating and we, all of the, every other friend of ours, we all talk about that shit. Like, yeah, it's weird. That, like, do we talk about that with her? No, nobody says, oh, I shouldn't have said her name. Bleep that out. <laughs> Y'all help me. Okay. So yeah, I think, uh. I think the thing that really has me fucked up is that, yeah, so she, th this person has all the original newspapers. 
she went and got them out of the newsstand. She would buy all the newspapers. Every day she would buy all of the newspapers and she'd look through them to see if there were any more articles on Frankie and stopped when there were no more. And she kept all the ones that had something in them. Intact, the whole newspaper, in really good shape. I saw them. She showed them to me, but we were in a different state and we were supposed to photocopy them and that didn't happen. She said she was going to handle it herself and that never happened. And now years have passed. And this awful person who was involved in this situation that really, if I had put all of this together and then June had happened and I had really gone hard with like, Hey, yo, this, everybody get this rhetoric in your head, get this, understand this. Like you, you tell me if you think it would have affected things. Cause I'm really not trying to I'm trying to actively not kick myself. I'm trying to actively not kick anybody else because I'm bitter, you know, like inherently, like organically. And people be approaching me like they know that they're fucking up, but like, you know, whatever. And this person, I just, I just stirred shit up with her kind of recently because I hit a point where I was like, you better give me that fucking shit. And she just wanted to get weird with me about it and fight instead of being like, oh, motherfucker snapped all of a sudden. Cause I'm over here grieving alone and working alone and doing all this alone and, and bitches there, you know, just posting pictures of herself, like getting a new boyfriend and like traveling around, going camping and visiting so-and-so here and there. And I'm like, can you in between things, photocopy that shit and send it to me, please for fuck's sake? Like, no, can't do it. So back to the point of why I'm, you know, worried because I'm is I could get on the internet and I can do public record searches and I can look at the articles that are posted but the internet scrubbing teams are fantastic and they've removed Kamala Harris being praised from the Stormfront website the neo-nazi website Stormfront um they've had forums for years with Frankie's story on there where they're celebrating his death celebrating the the negroid death in in some of the comments the negro like one down like thank god one down however many to go kind of shit, like, it, it's, like, intense in there, and, fuck, man, um, yeah, so initially, when I first found these, these pages, um, they were directly referencing Kamala Harris as a race soldier, and, like, an ironic race soldier in the white supremacy war, that nobody else was willing to talk about at the time. Like, none of the other white people were willing, to, were willing to talk about it at the time. The Nazis were willing to talk about it. The neo-Nazis were willing to talk about it boldly. And then the people who were being assailed upon in the war were willing to talk about it. But, like, white allies were, like, upset about talking about it like a race war at that point in time when I first found it. Yeah, like, it just doesn't... It doesn't help to get on the internet and try to research things that way because that's where they have access to and it's just in those original paperwork things that we can see what's up. And then even if I were to get records or something from the DA's office now, if I were to be able to get anything about this, if I could investigate, who's to say that they don't change stuff up? Like, especially because of San Francisco and they want Harris in there to get Trump out of there. And so this is where I'm at. I'm like, okay, y'all wanted to vote him out like this. You also voted me out. I will not stand for this. I will not stand for this shit. And I'm so sorry that I fucked up and relied on other people um, to get anything together. I am so sorry, Frankie. And I am so sorry to everybody else. I'm sorry, America. Like, I don't even, I've t I talk a lot of shit about America, I, uh, different angles, the history of America, the people here now, my neighbors, like, I, I'm sorry 
guys. Like, I've been sleeping on myself. I've been fucking up. I've been sad. I've been angry. And I am fucking sorry. This is my fault. Like, I take it on. It's my fucking fault. Because I know something. I know something. And this is horrific. This is just horrific. And it's almost irrelevant that Harris is getting the attention that she's getting. It's almost irrelevant compared to the fact that I have had to have loved ones tell me that they don't care, you know? And that's part of what slowed me down too. Like it was so painful to have close loved ones kind of be like, look, I hear what you're saying, but I'm voting for her if it comes to it. And not hearing me on what that means for everyone. Like what that means. Because it was a ripe time to get a black woman in. And for her to be the first is so America in that bad way that I was talking about. I talk shit about and that like, oh, it's just a colonizer country that's full of superficial fuckery. Like heartbreakingly superficial fuckery. Man, like she is just so, she's not even milk toast. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like she's the, she's the inversion. She's the subversion of what one would hope we would have accomplished. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. She will also be the first black female president because they're going to slide Biden out of there. Like, I don't know. It's I th- and that's me throwing some shit out there and I said I was going to try to not do commentary and stuff, but like Christ, you know? Like I I am sorry. I'm sorry. Not I'm not sorry for myself anymore. That's the problem is I was feeling sorry for myself all along and I I fucking learned some things and I don't regret, you know, my journey, our journey, I guess. I'm trying to tell myself while I'm sorry, I'm trying to tell myself and remind myself also, like, it is all unpacking. There seems no plan because it is all planned. There seems no center because it is all center. And just not get too hung up on any of the how stuff. Because ultimately, the American legacy has always been a fucking tragedy. Um, much of the world's history has been a tragedy. And I'm thinking about, there was Brooke Burgess again. He was, I, I kind of, I binged him yesterday because I needed, I needed to get out of reality a bit and into somebody else's reality. And he's in Thailand, so he doesn't give a fuck about any of this. And he's Canadian. So, not that he doesn't give a fuck altogether, but he's not in it, in it. Um, he refers to it in a reasonable fashion. God. He was talking about how life is a long string of suffering with little pearls of joy along the way. If you subscribe to the teachings of Eastern philosophy that assert that. And I think that I'm, I'm, I'm here for embracing narratives that help process what it is that life looks like. But I think that I'm done with rhetoric that encourages complacency and acceptance of pain. 
Because while sure, you could look at it that way, that's a very passive concept. And I think it's more like people think the revolution is something that happens and then we get to have a happily ever after instead of realize, like think about the word revolution. It revolves continuously. Revolution, there's no beginning or end to it. It's in motion. It's going all the time. And thusly, a revolutionary has to be pushing that all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always, there's no end level to this stuff. But the more momentum that we kind of get in keeping things flowing and moving and rotating, the less, like, decay we're dealing with in that sedentary kind of thing. Like, when stuff stops moving and you've got to get it in motion again, it takes more effort and energy. And if it's meant to be in motion and it's not moving there's likely damage happening to the thing itself. You, you know what I'm saying? It's We're looking at our we're, what we're expecting from our own experience. We're looking at it all wrong a lot of the time. And this is, I'm telling you this because I was thinking differently about this for a while. And slowly, one piece at a time, things came to me. Like, I remember being really distinctly hit by this moment when I was dealing with Occupy and shit was getting heavy. It was getting hard. And it was looking like we were going to fall apart. And then we did. And the feeling of knowing that was coming before it happened when it was at, oh man, like the fear and the, and the desperation to hold it together, my desperation to hold it together, to go back to just a couple of weeks ago, kind of things like just what happened, what happened, you know, like I was, it was devastating. It was like watching an infection take over my body or something. Like it was so fucked up um so during that period in time someone introduced this concept to me that trees breathe in trees take in our waste as their life force sustenance and vice versa we take in their waste as our life force sustenance and that that relationship can be converted into a spiritual transaction as well. And so somebody blessed me with a practice, a spell, a silent spell, or, or not, depending on the mood, but I'm usually quiet about it. Um, but yeah, you, you go around and you look for a tree that's willing, or a plant, but usually I try to fuck with trees about this, and you look for one that's, inclined that consents to have this exchange with you which is a vibe you know and I don't know what to tell you about that like the times I've done it um sometimes I I do know exactly where I'm going and what tree I'm on and then sometimes I need to keep walking for a while until something's just like oh hey me you know um, and I don't think I need to deconstruct that at all, whether that's just, I need to walk something off and then that feels like the right thing or whether it's something that's actually a communication between me and another organism. I don't think that's my business. And so it's certainly not the business of a skeptic. Oh, it's raining. It's fucking raining. It's raining. Just a little shower. Great. California's been dry. Oh, man. So, um, gosh, I don't even remember what I was talking about. That was so exciting. Uh, shit. 
My goodness, it's raining, raining. Okay, I remember now. I actually had to go back and listen and start a whole new track. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I had this experience going around and, and I, I would do this um, pretty frequently because, you know, the, the symbiotic relationship would be that it the tree is able to take in our negativity as positivity and we're able to take in its negativity as positivity, right? Life force, sustenance, and waste dynamic. And so... While I was in that period in time where I was uh, looking into into conversations with trees pretty frequently, I started to really settle into this sureness, this confidence, this joy about the idea of planting seeds that I will not sit under the shade of the trees that grow from them or ever taste the fruit of, you know, like... I got really excited about like Johnny Appleseeding some serious like deep rooted large growth kind of things like some big wide like tree of life concepts like the kind of thing that it's like I put like palm trees like I put the seed in the ground and by the time anybody notices it it's so out of control that you got to pull it the fuck up if you're really going to do something about it and then when you pull it up God help you if you knock any little seeds off because they're going to grow up. Like, it's like dandelions, but, like, dinosaurs at a dandelion. Like, they just, like, dig into the ground. We are here, right? That is, like, I'm planting seeds, okay? Spreading my seed. That's the it's the weirdest thing to hear people use phrases that I'm like, I mean, I get it, but not like that. Like, that's, I get it, but, like, on a whole other, and, and to be, like, I just am so passionate about, the concept that like creative energy and sexual energy are almost exactly the same thing and they're so close that you can convert them. So in relationships that I have where I have strong attraction to people, the things we create together, like the products we create together, the, the art that comes of it is just so fucking fun and cool, you know? And I value that so deeply inherently, like in my spine, it goes to the base of my skull. It runs all the way down back again through my vagus nerve and hits every chakra connecting me to the fountain where everything creative and attractive is. And I'm bringing the rain in. I don't know, man. So I guess I just really like. Oh, it's like raining. I'm going to have to wrap this up. I don't even know if y'all can hear me. It's hella loud. I'm sure you can. I'm talking so fucking loud. Uh, it's so beautiful, though. California. My goodness. So, this is the first rain rain of the year. Like, this is... I mean, like, it rained with the, the dry lightning storm. But um, it was, like, such a weird such a very bizarre storm. I'll describe that sometime in another episode. Um, this is so great though. So, uh, I just, um, yeah, I want, I want legacy in a different kind of way. And that's not to say I got a whole, I'll be doing episodes, probably definitely mostly premium episodes. I might do a few little comments on some free stuff, but like my journey as a prospective parent to then determining that I am no longer a prospective parent and how that played out, I guess. Because uh, it's not like I'm not trying to... It's not like I'm not trying to breed. and it's not. I'm not asexual. 
all the time it that like everything else about me shifts um but mostly not asexual that's very rare uh phases that I've been in um so it's not I don't think it's fair to label myself that because I think it's a whole identity and should be taken more seriously I, I I believe asexual people that they're a thing um and realistically if they go through phases where they're not or like what you know if they want to use that phrasing I guess that's fine too I just feel like because it's so sparse and like not very frequent and not very secure when it is happening um you know like I'll be there with it and then um you know, if another person can kind of make me question whether or not that's a real thing, then it's probably not a real thing. Like, sort of like if you're asking yourself, if you're asking yourself if you're attracted to a certain type of person, and you're like, no, 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 but then, you know, you're not really around those types of people, and then you get around those types of people, and, and then you start asking yourself that again, maybe is probably that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, maybe, and maybe there's, like, psychological blocks that are keeping you from, like, understanding what your role would be in stepping forward into something with the dynamics of people that you've not already been with. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, it's, so when you start asking yourself something over and over again, when, when the trigger comes up, like, the, the answer might be there's maybe something there that you've got a cognitive dissonance issue and cro- there's, like, a bridge that needs to be built somehow, and you can maybe come up with that internally. It might require the assistance of another person. Maybe they've got some equipment they can help you with. Instead, they're going to build, like, a, like a, a zip line for you, you know? Like, we can't get a whole bridge in here, but we can get you over there. Like, we can get you over there. You're going to be over there once you're over there, but we can get you over there. Um, and sometimes they might be able to build you a two-way bridge, but sometimes a two-way bridge will collapse upon itself unexpectedly. So just life is tra- transportation from one mindset to another. Like, I, I think, um, oh, goodness. Uh, I inspired the clouds, and the clouds have inspired me. I don't know what to say. So, let's see. Did I leave any open ends? My goodness. Um, I talking about the seed thing, the tree thing, the Occupy of it all, and how um, I'm comfortable with the idea of doing work. That I was talking about revolutionaryism, my revolutionaryisms. That's I'm into I'm into the word ism. I'm gonna start throwing it onto any and everything I want to, um, and I'm real excited about my phallicism shit because I feel like that solves so many problems, right? And I'll break that down for you more in its own standalone episode on phallicism. It's hailing. It's fucking hailing. What the fuck? Alright, I figure I'll record y'all a little end cap for that episode. Um, editing that was fun. Uh, it's weird how the rain kept like coming and going as I was saying certain things that whole recording that was a trip that entire day was a trip uh that uh that was the 8th of November that I recorded I am available to answer any questions you can reach me at connect at goodmorningmayberry.com I'm looking forward to hearing from people and connecting on stuff I will be very selective about what I choose to engage with. I think I made it very clear um, how delicate my psychological state regarding this content is. I'm pretty good at fielding away uh, problematic approaches 
and so I'm not terribly worried. I expect to get some bullshit, but uh, bring it on. Um, yeah, I think I'm feeling blessed to be sharing with y'all. I'm looking forward to just getting this moving. I've been on hold with it for so long and it's ready to roll. Now I am ready to roll with it. Uh, and really, frankly, not a moment too soon. I did have some things to say, but I don't, you know, maybe I could have thrown it together and it would have been fine, uh, sooner. Um, but I really was going through so much psychological turmoil. I don't have a lot of space to do any shoulda, coulda, wouldaing on myself. Um, and I recommend that you don't try to either because I won't have it and don't do it to yourself too much. Um, just do better now, you know. 